Welcome back, folks, to episode 55 of the Running Man Self-Regulation Skills and Self-Improvement Project podcast with me, your host, Dr. Armando Dominguez, PhD in health psychology, licensed professional counselor, and an adjunct professor at local community college. And what we're going to be discussing today is social reward and how this actually plays a big role in how not only we interact, but also those things that we tend to start to believe relative to how we interact with other people, social dynamics and also our social interactions, and how it also kind of shapes how we behave and what we would be calling our base social value. And social value is a very interesting term here. There are many aspects of uh, social science that discuss social value and the things that we do to get acceptance, for instance, uh, by family or certain groups that we may want to belong to in a professional setting or even in school. We see a lot of this, and this is something that we interact with day to day, but there's some other dynamics that occur that have to do with the valuation of self and the validation of that value, or maybe the invalidation for that matter, that can impact not only how we interact, but how we value ourselves and what things can actually stem from social reward. Also, validation of ourself, our ego, and also how we can plug into a group, a tribal uh, group, or even a work group for that matter, or click or group that you may want to belong to or a team for that matter that you may play on where there are other people and there's going to be a melding and interaction of not only characters but maybe even some actions that you'll be undertaking together as a team such as sports or even as a sales team or working together in a setting wherever you may be working in social services or even where you're out and about working in retail. So there's some definitely useful stuff that we're going to discuss today, but it stems from a very basic part of ourself. So let's start this discussion with the idea of social value and social reward. So the first question we're going to ask is, what is social value? Social value is something that we all share whenever we interact with other people And we start developing a pecking order regardless of wherever we go, whether it be school, home, uh, family, uh, tribe, workforce. There is also this sense of not only acceptance, but also being cast out that can be determined by how well you integrate, whether or not you rub people the wrong way for that matter, or whether or not you may be a people pleaser to a fault to where it can become irritating. And that in itself is not a bad thing, but whenever it's excessive, it can become uh, something that one is looked at as inauthentic or ingenuine. So that could look like a manipulation potential. So there are some things that has to do with social value that can border on some dark interpretation. But the base foundation of what we'll define today about social value has to do with your purpose, and your usefulness to the group. Now, your self-valuation of yourself, that that is very important, and this is not what we're discussing in particular, but it does play into it. But rather, how do others value you, and how do they interpret that such that they treat you better, they treat you at a distance or keep you at arm's distance, or maybe they treat you a little worse than they do someone else? And this could look like playing favorites, this sort of thing. So what is it that they're getting that's a reward or a payoff? This is the safe social 
reward aspect of social value that we'll be talking about, where's the payoff? Because there is either a feel good or feel bad or a feel indifferent that will determine how somebody not only would treat you, but also how maybe you'll treat others as a result of how they make you feel. Now, I know that um, a lot of folks, and Maya Angelou's uh, famous quote about people may not remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And I definitely do agree with the fact that it, that, that is a very profound statement, not in the social interaction sense per se, but in the fundamental biological nature of ourselves, the fact that science even supports that. We feel first before we ever have any cognitive process occur. We feel first because we're at the perceptual level at that point where we're interacting. Communication happens by default. It happens before we're ever close enough to be able to yell or even scream or even speak verbally, but body language will be interpreted. Also, our stature, our size, our perceived ability to move, how graceful we are, these things where we size somebody up has to do with some of the social value we give somebody if they're accepted and part of the group and familiar, but also has to do with the social reward that we may or may not be able to benefit from if they are not acknowledged or accepted yet, but we may see the benefit of having them our side if they're a good hunter, good fisherman, or they have good resources so that we can somehow gain some value and reward as a result of that interaction or potential interaction. So we very quickly size people up uh, before we ever start having any higher thoughts about it at the perceptual level. And once again, communication is a default. It's not always something we choose to do. Rapport is what the goal is, where we have communication with trust. And this isn't just a therapist thing, but rather wherever we have confidence and can confide and trust another person when we interact with them, especially if we bring them into our home, into our lives, into our closest aspects of what we call our lives. This brings me to a point of thought and pause whenever I say intimate and close. Uh, there was a, a cassette tape that tells you about how old I am uh, that I bought that had to, uh, some music on there by David Lynch, and it was just some some modern fusion, jazz, pop type stuff, but no lyrics, just instrumental. But on the back of the cassette, there was a quote from a book, and the quote went along these lines. So if I mess it up, then that's totally my fault. But it said something to the effect. Welcome and come into my apartment, old friend. That we can suffer through a breakfast of pure sunlight. And that to me was such a profound statement because it indicates bringing somebody in close and inviting them in to share into something that is of depth and of exceeding value. And this is kind of the direction we go with our social interactions. We bring the closest to us in that we may share in intimate things together, whether it be dinner, talk, a little time, and maybe just enjoying each other's company. And whenever we discuss social reward and social value, depending on the value we hold of this person, will determine how close we bring them into our home, into our lives, and quotes our apartments, as the quote said. And this indicates also that we had judged this person by virtue of the experience we've had with them. And that says a lot. It's not always perfectly that, but everything is qualifiable, of course. But in this case, we're going in the direction of what social reward is. What do I get out of this? 
as an individual, what payoff do I get? Because that is a reward pathway uh, that uh, is involved. And also, what is the social value that I have of this individual? And how does my social value play into this as well? How am I esteemed or valued by the people that I interact with, especially those I interact with closely? Depending on, I would say, the severity or intensity of a situation, much of what we consider our behaviors to be socially appropriate, socially acceptable, or even something that we would call soothing behavior, something that is pleasing to another individual, not necessarily pleasing them for the sake of pleasing them and just acceptance, but rather pleasing behaviors. And this is where common courtesy and social grace really pays dividends in the sense that by being willing to extend common courtesy, not making somebody earn it first, but being commonly courteous towards all as a default, then that will provide a consistency, a foundation on which someone can give you an opportunity in which to be judged and valued appropriately, especially if acceptance into a certain group can determine whether or not you will get the payoff social reward that you get or you want. And then in a more serious sense, if it's a survival setting, having not only a value, but maybe a skill that makes you valuable, you're the fire keeper, you're the hunter, you're the one that uh, knows how to gather uh, firewood, this sort of thing. And those are important things that give us functional, practical value in a simpler societal sense and a tribal sense. But also part of that social reward that comes as a result of having that and benefiting the others with that is what will give you not only security, but also other people valuing you and helping you out because of the benefit and the value you bring them. This is value of the things you do, not just your social value once again. But also the payoff that you get is that there is a synchrony of sorts and that we all start working to get together. Someone may bring you food because you bring firewood. People appreciate the heat and the warmth, so therefore they make sure that you have bedding. You may have food to eat or that they take care of you if you're ill or help you whenever you're unable to do your duties by yourself due to illness or injury, this sort of thing. And that's not so different from the paleo times, the primordial times, than what we do now. It's just a little more sophisticated. We dress better and we use cell phone technology to talk to each other across the world. But biologically, our foundational needs, not unlike what Maslow talked about, our biological needs are needs for safety, security, physical safety, security in the sense you may have a cave or home that keeps you safe. And out of the elements also food and affiliation comes up after that. But generally, it's pretty closely tied to those foundational things if it's a tribal society or a group society that you live in. Now, why is this so important to what we're talking about having to do with social reward? How does this play out in a modern setting? Well, it plays out rather frequently, and I've kind of given some minor descriptions of that. But in the darker sense, whenever we're looking at social reward and somebody is speaking to someone that may be a little more sly and wily. And along the lines of cult leaders, we have people that speak with great deals of confidence and they have the salesman speak. And part of the self-regulatory things that I teach has to do with keeping things on an even keel so you can see through that mess. Because we can all be bamboozled and caught and trapped and tricked if we are following the social cues and not wanting to be impolite. Sometimes we can see through the veneer of that, 
and understand what can come of it, but we can all get trapped if we have our emotional settings uh, a little high in the sense that we are not able to consciously think our way through something, so our defenses may be a little low. And we may see other people go through that, and we can see that, and we may steer far away from it. But, once again, the compelling speech, the emotions, all of that that we interpret and feel, or we see someone else feeling as a result of someone trying to manipulate them into getting or doing stuff, is part of the social reward system. It's part of the social acceptance as well and the valuation of self. And often when people feel devalued, maybe they're isolated. Whenever they have very little self-confidence, but yet they speak to somebody that not only has the look of confidence, but also speaks with an authority, that can make them feel comfortable because for whatever reason, their best attempts at being authoritative, confident, and knowing what they know in their own mind is not only questionable, but it's hard to elicit because they feel like they're incapable, maybe, or that they feel that what they're thinking is not good enough, but whenever they say it, Wow, that's great. And it's almost like a vicarious connection. They glom onto that. And it's always nice to have somebody there that can speak with direction, especially if it makes them feel good and they somehow get some of their own agenda accomplished as a result of affiliating with somebody like that. Some of the cults in the past often have very gravitating speakers. And what we have to understand that this is something I've hammered a few times throughout the podcast and intermittently through a number of of the episodes is the fact that we're so highly suggestible when we're under stress, when we experience things along the lines of an anxiety or panic attack, we tend to be suggestible to our own suggestions that may or may not be accurate, just as much as someone else speaking to us and telling us things to whether we will be more apt to take things as sacrosanct, as spoken, as said, and looking at things and taking them as such the way they look versus being able to reason and, and say, well, okay, that might look that way, but that's not how it is usually. And our attempt to conserve energy whenever energy is being expended in our anxiety, in our stress, in our muscle tension, our body's tendency is to want to be, and this is a human tendency, to be efficient with energy. And we tend to be more apt to be very binary, black and white, up and down, simple thinking, oversimplified, and painting with a very broad brushstroke just to simplify the process and lessen the amount of thinking. Because when we start overthinking things, especially when things happen really fast, we tend to lean on assumptions and templates and expectations and predictions to a fault. And things do happen, and yes, we do make mistakes. And the more information you gather, the better things become more hopeful as we gather more information and facts. The better the facts and information, the better the decisions we make moving forward. But whenever things get very dicey, physically dangerous, or wherever we're unsure, or we could get sick, we could get hurt, or we're uh, in some sort of threat wherever we feel fight flight, that's whenever our potential suggestibility goes up, our potential to be able to believe things that generally we would probably think more critically about tends to go up, which means the influence of somebody that may be using methods that cause us to feel that way and to suggest us in a certain direction tends to become a little more sensitive. So we have to be aware of these things. So having strong character, does that prevent or protect against this? I will tell you that in my experience doing clinical work, no. Having a strong character does not protect you against this. Often it's the situation that comes up that regardless of how strong 
or how intelligent it is the physiology of the body that overrides and we will make mistakes we will make errors in our reasoning doesn't matter how intelligent you are we get reduced down to our most basic you get put under the right amount of pressure we're going to make the right amount of errors in that sense and they'd be expected maybe not perfectly but you'll know what range and what direction we're going and generally it tends to be all bets are off and we be more physically oriented at that point than we are cognitively where we can think our way through and thinking besides is really slow and if we were in a situation that requires our reactivity versus our responsiveness by virtue of mindful thought and action then we're discussing something along the lines of survivability and sometimes we take a gamble at a certain behavior hoping that it'll work out and that we'll be able to go away and get away from whatever it is that may ail us or stress us or be threatened to us at that moment. So social value and social reward, things that drive us are the things that give us the payoff that we want. Sometimes it could be acceptance. Sometimes it could be having a sense of power over one's environment or being able to change things that otherwise as an individual one feels powerless. And often people will glom onto certain groups, certain very powerful group leaders, because they get into that sense of when I'm in the flow of the power of the group and we're all chanting and saying the same thing. This happens sometimes at certain rallies, political rallies in particular. And we've seen wherever uh, there are numbers of groups that have gone and started looting and burning and hurting people that the anonymity of the group allows people that in their cowardice otherwise would not individually do, would act out and do damaging things that otherwise could be horrendous potentially murderous, uh, homicidal, uh, and generally they're very self-preserving in most cases and uh, don't want to get caught. Uh, rarely do you see somebody doing harm to themselves in a group, but instead they extend that towards those that they would perceive as being prey. They become the predator in the group, and it's a wolf pack of sorts, and this isn't to speak badly of wolves. They're rather intelligent. But uh, here we go. Whenever we have that sense of anonymity, that can encourage somebody and they will often allow themselves to do things that they won't do because they're afraid to do that. Not that they shouldn't be afraid to do it in front of other people's watchful eyes as an individual, but there is definitely a difference. Usually somebody that is willing to take care of business, so to speak, tends to be a little more individualistic and braver in most cases and don't need a group to allow themselves to do such things if they have to. But whenever there's a, a loss of the social norm and there's an animistic type of response, anime in the sense, not enemy, animist as in animal or, or spiritual, but rather animistic as in anime, the social condition, and there is no social rule or guideline, that we tend to fall back into the potential for social or group responses that are not only negative, but damaging. And often people have died as a result of this. Whenever we see people running for their lives and people get trampled uh, trying to go to, for instance, uh, certain concerts, people wind up dying trying to leave whenever certain venues have been caught on fire. Some people mis mishandled uh, groups at times going into certain concerts and people have been trampled to death. One in which uh, one of the musicians uh, that was playing got trampled whenever they're doing a warm-up and the groups outside of the venue crashed the venue there were only uh, i believe 35 police on duty to 
do any crowd management, but they couldn't help that. They couldn't overpower that. But yet, with the group moving in that direction, people continued to do what they were doing that we would call like herd behavior. And, and those are hard things to hear. The reality is, you know, whenever we have social value, what's our value when we're in a group of that size? You only recognize by those people that you know. And even by default as an accidental, oops, I fell down, is someone going to pick you up whenever we have thousands trampling in one direction? This is something that happened whenever Black Friday started taking off. I used to work retail and I used to hate work in those times because people would start acting out in ugly ways. People wrecking into your ankles with shopping carts. People, I say, um, not to be sexist, but elderly women that otherwise felt entitled to be able to get what they wanted because they somehow felt special and really wanted those things that they were putting on special, so to speak. And acting in ways that I saw up close to where people would be getting in fights and tearing up merchandise and not being able to get the merchandise they wanted because they treated it as if it was a life and death thing. They elevated the value of what it is that their goal was such that they let the rules go. And what do we have to know about social value and self-regulation? Well, your regulation of self can prevent you from responding to things that would pay off, so to speak, in your social value, especially if it's not a true sense of acceptance or benefit that you get, but rather it could be something that is a manipulation to get you to do something that could be dangerous. And uh, there are numbers of folks at Black Friday, once again, my experience, that would work as groups to go and get items and they would do these for each other. But yet at the end of the day, one person would benefit, but these people were promised some sort of appreciation or not even money for that matter, just to be able to go out there and do it. And these people are more than willing to go because they saw themselves as some sort of retail shopping experience hero that can go and get the Tickle Me Elmo or the iPad or whatever it is and fight against these people and somehow overcome. It's a very distorted sense of payoff. But yet people were doing things that were out outside of the social norm to get those things. And somehow in their own minds, they valued themselves highly because I did this and it was hard. And it was kind of a disgusting display. But at the same time, it's also a display of what human potential is sometimes whenever we believe things to be more than what they are. And whenever there's that level of stress, once again, that, that social suggestibility is very high. But also the potential to do wrong uh, is much easier in a group. And if you're surrounded by many, it doesn't mean that you're going to fail and fall to that. But if you see something like that happening, steer away, go away, go to the other direction, don't enter. Because people get hurt and it has nothing to do with the objective of getting to a movie or a concert, but just the fact that you can't control the herd or the, or the crowd dynamics. And uh, generally people in that roused setting do not respond very well to suggestion, tend to become irritable and angry, and tend to be more apt to want to fight and do damage because they're not going to catch me anyway. Many stabbings happen this way when somebody's knocked unconscious and somebody has something to prove just to be mean. They go and stab the unconscious person in the back when they're defenseless just to be able to say that and they gain some sort of social value in their mind and they know that they're not only willing but able to do it. So it can be rather ugly and Social value isn't always a positive thing. It depends on what group you want to accept you, what group you want to belong to, and what does this have to do with self-regulation is the final question. Well, it has a lot to do with self-regulation. Regulation of self also has to do with regulation of what environment you intentionally enter into. 
And that is one of the first things. Don't go to wherever you have no control or wherever you lose your sense of self or wherever someone else could easily damage you and there's too many people. Or maybe even wherever you may get involved in something that you have no idea about. If you ever have an apprehension or a question, I would tell you, trust your gut. Your enteric brain is much smarter than you think. It keeps you safe. So that's really the extent of what we're going to talk about today, about social value and the impact that has and what we can do as far as social value and how it is a really old game that we've never really grown out of, that we have to be very aware of when we interact. Because even sometimes when we're trying to get agreeable appreciation from family, we got to make sure that we take care of ourselves and value ourselves and know that you have to value you before someone ever will. And sometimes that's a hard walk. And I encourage you. And for those of you that have a hard time with that, I'm telling you, hey, I value you. And if you listen to this, I want to tell you, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And I want to tell you, I really enjoy and appreciate seeing where this podcast has gone. We are now on YouTube and all platforms where your podcasts are at. And uh, that's YouTube now. Also, uh, Amazon Music. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and just about every other major and minor platform, My Heart Radio. So please go look for us. And if you have somebody in mind that you think can benefit from the podcast, please share it with them. I would certainly appreciate that if you want to reach out and give me some feedback. The email is runningmangetskillsproject at gmail. I'd love to hear from you. Take care. Be safe out there. Walk well.